Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode. Today, joining me, one of my favorites, it's Basketball Feeling Zone, Katie Heindel. How you doing? I'm doing good. I just had to glance up because this giant bird just landed outside the, oh. the window. Um, I'm an doing great. An ominous presence. Yeah, okay. an ominous presence of a, I want to say, is it a cardinal? Anyway, um. I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure to be joining you on this show. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. You know, you're a very busy person. I've been trying to have you back many times, uh, which is fine. You deserve to be so busy. I uh, I think the last time you were here was like the heart of the Kyrie Irving madness mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. in November. So a lot's happened since then. <laughs> You know, we're thick into the playoffs. Um, I want to start talking about this Lakers-Warriors series. I am so excited for this series. I think, like, it kind of dawned on me as it was starting how I – how like important this rivalry is to me for some reason. Like, this this LeBron-Steph Curry rivalry Mm -hmm. and how, like – you know, we didn't think we'd necessarily see them again in the playoffs against each other, and here we are – it could be one of the last times. By the way, I'm sick. I'm not getting choked up. I'm like legitimately like swallowing a cough right now. I'm not choked up. It's fine if you were. No, that would be so funny though if I was. No, I'm legitimately just swallowing a cough right now. But um, and I might have to mute my mute my mic uh, from time to time. It sounded like I said nuke it. <coughs> Damn. Oh no. <coughs> oh, I missed it. <laughs> Sorry, some cops are going to sneak in. Shout out to anyone who uh, listens to my the Pickup WNBA podcast because I coughed throughout that whole madness <laughs> uh, that came out uh, today, which is Thursday. So shout out to you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, okay, Katie, hmm. everyone's been talking about this series, about it being, you know, the bigs versus the smalls. How do you, where do you land on this? The bigs versus the smalls, really? Yeah, well, basically it's Anthony yeah, yeah. Davis versus, like, a bunch of people shorter than him. That's true. Um, that's funny. I guess the Warriors are pretty little. Um, they're pretty little. They're pretty little. So I think uh, it's. I'm pretty excited for it. I was, like, kind of came into it equal, on equal footing. I was like, I don't actually know that I have a favorite, but that very quickly was revealed to me that this is so strange, but I'd like for the Lakers to advance. Ooh. <laughs> Only okay, because more. what you mentioned before, uh, which is just seeing LeBron James back in this position again. And honestly, how, how cool that is. And also the fact that he got this, like, frankly, janky team that started the season in a very different form than it is now. Yeah. How he's led them now through these, all the, like these two, first the play in, then against the Kings. Just to see that somebody like LeBron is still able to put a team on his back like this, you know, and turn it on. And like, I I know that's tapering off, not delusional um, as he gets older, but it's still a very cool thing to see. And I also like the idea of him knowing the Warriors' weaknesses. I mean, I guess I have still a chip on my shoulder from the, from the Raptors warriors series you know um but just being able to like really annoy and frustrate 
somebody like Draymond, even watching him kind of figure out stuff on the fly. Um, though those two obviously have a lot of respect for each other. It's just still very fun to see how they kind of match up on the floor. So it's what it's wild. Cause it's like, I'm not a Lakers fan, but this matchup has made me lean harder into LeBron James fandom. If only because it's like, I don't know how many more of these, you know, we get. Yeah. I feel like I know a lot of people who aren't necessarily Lakers fans, but they're definitely like LeBron fans. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, a lot of Raptors fans are LeBron fans because we watched him beat us up for so many years. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in Toronto, specifically Raptors fans, do lean heavy towards LeBron on the GOAT conversation because we just watched him beat us up for so long mm-hmm. where we didn't see that with Michael, at least not in real time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's very interesting. I'm feeling like old and nostalgic and I'm feeling like I'm personally rooting for the Warriors. Okay. But I've been wrong about absolutely everything. This playoffs. <laughs> I've just been wrong about everything. They've been an exciting, it's been like an exciting playoffs. I don't, that's not on, I'm sure lots of people have been wrong, you know? Oh yeah. Most people's brackets are just on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I just feel like um, it is incredible that we get to see LeBron do this. And then, I mean, I don't know about their chances against the Nuggets, but that feels like the hardest out. Personally, I pretty much have no respect for the Eastern Conference this year (laughs) in the playoffs. I think the champion is in the West. I think the finals is going to be a very short series, no matter who it is. Um, Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself here. (laughs) I'm going to cough again. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, I'll say while you're coughing that my mechanic does think it's going to be the Lakers. Um, But the more I've actually thought about it, and I think this just has to do with how they played so far through the playoffs, is like if they get through this round, it does not – I could see them beating the Nuggets. It's going to be a hard out, as you said, but like there's something about the Lakers as a team that – they are generative of their own momentum. And once they kind of, especially LeBron and like, once they kind of hit that clip, if AD stays healthy, if LeBron stays healthy, you know, and all these other factors fall in their favor, it's very weird to just say, I, I could just see them back in the finals. Look, I, I picture I, it. My personal trainer told me that if the Lakers get into the play and they're going to the finals and I laughed at him and I mocked at him while I was on an elliptical or lifting weights many a times over. I said on this podcast explicitly, I have no belief in the Lakers, even as soon early as like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And they just keep proving me wrong. They keep making me look like a fool. And I hate them for that. And, <laughs> um, it's not that I just need them to lose for that reason. I mean, look, Anthony Davis was extremely dominant in game one. Um I do think that um, those stats might be a little inflated because um, the the Warriors don't have anyone to match up against him, and that mm-hmm. is a new problem for them. And I think people are going to rank his dominance. Like to me, if he had that level of dominance over like a center of similar size, then you're like, okay, this is a great performance. I mean, it is a great performance. I shouldn't down, be that down on him, but. 
I mean, come on, he's getting everything he wants. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about game one here. Game two is going to be tonight, so this will be um, out there afterwards. But, like, they won by five points. So I do think there's still hope for the Warriors. Oh, yeah. And, like, you can never discount, off. obviously, like, Steph's shooting, even Clay's shooting. Jordan Poole has looked, like, much less... It feels rude to say useless, but like certainly like a loose cannon uh, in this in like the first game than he did throughout the entire King series. So I think, um, you know, and the Warriors do have like their speed kind of up on the Lakers. But it's interesting just in terms of like how equally matched they are with main character playoff experience. And I think that's something that's really like I'm all for parody. I've really enjoyed I really enjoyed like the mess of the regular season in either conference and how it really seemed like anyone's game. And in a lot of ways it still does, right? Like the bucks are out. <laughs> like, yeah, that that's so not still very quickly, you know, like seeing the, the Knicks and the heat, like in still at this point, like there are still a lot of surprises and that parodies brought that, but I do think um, it's kind of cool. We're getting these matchups of like the parody, the new class of parody. And then these sort of, these sort of older, uh, very seasoned playoff teams um, or just play, play season playoff players on certain teams. Um, but man, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, it's, I don't know. I'm trying to decide if it's that I doubt the Warriors or trust the Lakers more. And I don't think it's really either. I think I would just rather see LeBron advance. Yeah. Which I can respect for mm-hmm. sure. I um personally I'm just a big Steph Curry fan like I just love him and I love totally. watching him play yeah. and I'm also so used to rooting against LeBron that oh, I haven't made the switch yeah. yeah but when he retires whenever that is I'm gonna miss him so much like I don't think I've ever enjoyed rooting against someone more <laughs> than rooting against LeBron and I don't think I ever will I mean, you know. he did a lot of psychic damage to to us. Or, yeah, to us, to the, to the Raptors fan base, so, you which know. I think is why I like rooting for him now, because it's like he's somebody else's problem. Right. And, you know, speaking of doing psycholo- psychological damage to someone, mm-hmm. um, I want to talk about Dylan Brooks. <laughs> because yeah. Thank you. Because I think his rant against LeBron had a lot to do with the fact that he's from here. <laughs> That's my theory. Um, you know, he's from Mississauga. He grew up watching LeBron mm-hmm. kick her butt. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to what degree he claimed being a Raptors fan, but there's no way he wasn't. I don't think he's ever claimed it. He yeah, but even if he like didn't claim bite, it, but, but as yeah. a kid, I'm sure he grew up watching the Raptors, at least watching our broadcasts. Yeah. 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 I don't know when he left. I don't know what if he went to prep school or like when he left. But yeah, no, that's a good point. He definitely receives some of that psychic. Um, yeah, I terror. think so. I think that's, that's my personal theory. But um, so after uh, the Grizzlies were eliminated, uh, Sham Sharania tweeted that the Memphis Grizzlies have <laughs> stated that he they have no intention of bringing him back whatsoever. Under um, any circumstances. Which is just, okay, I'm going to say, this is my little controversial take, if I can say it without coughing. Um, I think that 
Dylan Brooks needs an attitude adjustment to say the least. But I also think this is a very immature response from their head office to just blatantly state that. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it shows that the immaturity in this team is within their entire culture and that it is not just one player or two and that they could come back next season and still be frat boys. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like I don't know how much just giving up Dylan Brooks for nothing, not even attempting a sign and trade in any way. Like that is what I find shocking. Like why not keep that to yourself and attempt to sign and trade? And just be like, look, we don't want to pay him. Mm-hmm. And just leave it at that. You don't have to make it personal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I find sorry. it confusing. No, that's yeah. all. No, it's kind of confusing to me. I still don't think it's um, clear or been reported where that leak came from. Because in under any circumstances, that was Shams. Like, that uh-huh. was his own wording. Yeah. Which I thought, I don't know if you saw this today, but Dylan Brooks's agent. Yeah, his agent came out to say that this isn't true. But I'm like, the Grizzlies haven't said it isn't true. No, they haven't. The <clears throat> best part of the agent tweet was hashtag weirdo at the end directed at Sean. <laughs> that was very funny. Because <laughs> one, who's doing hashtags? But if you're going to do it, hashtag weirdo. Well, who's following the hashtag weirdo? <laughs> hoping to like engage in content. True. Um I, I yeah the the, the uh, Grizzlies I almost called them the Warriors the Grizzlies haven't refuted it or you know really acknowledged it whatsoever I wonder if it was like another player leaking it like I, I I'm not really sure what the warning was my understanding of it on like a more fulsome scale is that you know Dylan Brooks um in some of the the contract renegotiations when he was offered like an extension and going towards the end of the season wanted a more uh, like just a more concentrated role offensively. And the team was like, well, you don't really hit your shots right now. We yeah. can't, <laughs> you know, we can't really promise you that. So there was a disconnect there. Um, and it, maybe that sounded like a little bit mutual, but all of it does just feel like this kind of, it's depending on how you feel about Dylan Brooks, either like a perfect end to this arc that he created for himself or if you've got some sympathy and honestly for a moment I did feel bad because it's a pretty strongly worded like Shams's tweet about Yeah, I've never seen story. anything like this. Yeah, it was very strongly worded. I also hadn't seen anything like that. It seemed just so succinct and definitive, right? Like there's no coming back from this. I know the Grizzlies have had their fair share of, you know, um, just like team drama and like there is something going on within that front office and locker room this this season and they've had to deal with that it just it struck me as who's the guy they can kind of cut loose it's never going to be ja yeah it was also but it was like you know dylan brooks made himself an easy target to blame Mm -hmm. for this right where like i you know for all his pitfalls i don't actually think that them being out of the first round Mm -hmm. is his fault you know so i think like i don't know man it's like sure move on from dylan brooks that's great but it it just doesn't seem like it's scratching the surface of what's going to make that team better Mm -hmm. and what's going to make that team 
a force to be reckoned with to make a deep run into the playoffs next year. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to make a deep run this year, mm-hmm. even though I thought they were very immature. Um, and that didn't happen to my surprise, both me and my bracket. Very shocked. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I And I don't feel like they're going to fire Taylor Jenkins. And I don't think they're going to actually make that many changes in the off season. Um, and it's strange to me because I guess if you want to talk about culture, Dylan Brooks was the one leading a lot of the things that the team has said that they like and, you know, are kind of like the good chemistry things like the dancing in the tunnel and, you know, being the kind of hype man of the team and keeping the energy up. There's obviously stuff that they didn't like. And I think that came more to bear in the playoffs. And it might come down to what we were talking about earlier, of just experience of being in the spotlight like that and knowing how to, wear it on your shoulders and you know if you're going to be a heel that's fine like obviously Draymond Green is a perfect example of that you can be a heel but you need to almost properly ration out your your behavior right like you can't just like you can't just blow it all in the first series and then like have that come back to you know hit you in the butt as it did with Dylan Brooks um like targeting LeBron James also like pick better targets (laughs) Well, I mean, if you're going to say all that, you need to back it up. Yeah. I mean, that was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, I don't know. I would have liked to hear from him at the end of the season. Honestly, I don't really know. I don't even mean this as like someone in media that's like aghast at teams like the Bucks aren't didn't do their exit interviews and Dylan Brooks didn't like, you know. Oh, I didn't realize the Bucks didn't do any exit interviews. Yeah, they've said they're not going to. Wow, so, that's brutal. Yeah, I don't mean like, oh, it sucks for... It does suck for access for local reporters, 100%. It sucks that, you know, that's your last opportunity to kind of close off the season. Um, but specifically in Brooks's case, it would have been nice to hear from him. So I wonder if he knew that this was coming, maybe. And it's mm-hmm. like, don't... You don't want the last word to be some soundbite that you say in that last presser paired with this weird, weirdly worded Shams tweet and story. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just kind of going to let that stand on its own. And I guess then let your agent come to your defense. <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing is a bit of a mess. Yeah. I mean, for the agent to deny it without the Grizzlies denying it is mm-hmm. also to me not a great look. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just like. You know, it's just such a a demonstrative statement to not deny. Mm-hmm. So that's how you know it's it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some degree of it is definitely real. I'm just um, I don't know. The rest of that team seems like fairly functional. So maybe there was just something all along, and they were like waiting for the opportunity to. Yeah, maybe say goodbye to him. I mean, I know a lot of Grizzlies fans are happy. Where do you see him going next? Like, what team would he be a good fit on? Um, I've seen the Toronto, and I've, like, talked about this. I've seen the Toronto discussion. I get it to a degree, but when your problem is already, like, inconsistent shooting, I don't really see how that solves it. It Uh only makes that problem worse. I could see the Blazers. um, I could see... I'm trying to think of an East Coast team. I'm trying to, I think the Miami Heat would be an interesting fit yeah. for him. Though they'd like want to whip him into shape, right? It would be very. Yeah, but that would be the one team that could do it. 
yeah i guess or you wouldn't you know what really i mean because like very long yeah like riley you know jimmy butler kyle Lowry, like they're not putting up with his shit mm-hmm. and he that's like the one team where like he'd really just have to fall in line mm-hmm. and suck it up and deal with it which would probably be the best thing for him yeah i um, think if that's the case then i would be kind of bummed that ud wouldn't be there next season oh if he, true if he truly is leaving because for those two to if you're if you're calling lebron james old <laughs> then you turn around <laughs> and like you've got you know udonis has them at the well, locker he, he can end year. up having another role on the team maybe that's true he can yeah. have a he could have a presence teams. yeah maybe they keep him if they get dylan brooks maybe they keep him around just for that yeah, or they keep him, at, or they give him like an assistant job, mm. like an assistant coaching do. job. I hope they do, man. That guy rules. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, like there's a, definitely a few teams that will, will, will could could, and I could see wanting to pick him up. My curiosity would be um, what that contract looks like. I feel like it might be right. tentative. Yeah, um, it looks like um, someone was saying this that it's likely that he would only sign a one-year deal mm-hmm. because teams wouldn't want to yeah. take more of a chance on him than that. Which is like, obviously, you know, without going too deep into this, like so <laughs> messed up considering the length of contracts teams will give other athletes who have done far more worse, worse and yep. like way more impactful things in the real world, like worsely impactful things in the real world. We are real world on real people's lives yep. and just like talking trash uh, in a basketball game, but yep, I amen digress. to that. Yeah, amen to that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Eastern Conference. Uh, Joel Embiid uh, won MVP, um, but his latest injury uh, could be a setback once again for the 76ers. They looked not good uh, last night in their game against Boston. What I thought were or was hoping would be the actual Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but I just have no respect for this entire conference. <laughs> what do you make of Joel Embiid's uh, injury, his MVP award, and uh, what they're up against the series with the Celtics? I mean, there was a point in that series last night when I was like, oh, at least there's like two minutes left. And I looked and I was like, seven minutes, <laughs> like just for how much of a blowout it was. Um that said, we ha- like the times we've kind of seen these wild swings in the playoffs so far, the teams have definitely corrected the next game. And I think, you know, this the Celtics did that from the first game to this one. And I do think the Sixers will and also will have to do that to the next one. I was actually kind of excited about this series as, you know, uh, being in Toronto and the fact that usually we don't get these two teams in a matchup together. Similarly, like I was excited yeah. about Lakers-Warriors. It's just like these big kind of juggernauts of their conferences that usually are facing other teams in this round now going head to head just because of how things have shaken out. So I hope it is. I hope it gets better. I do think it will. Um, It kind of comes down. I don't know. Actually, I was going to say it comes down to like who wants it more, but then again, like I've, that was that game one was probably the best playoff game of James Harden's entire career. career. And it was, thrilling to watch like it was so much fun to watch as like a hard and skeptic you know i yeah. was like i was very into that it. that crowd was genuinely stunned yes when they lost that game they were genuinely stunned yeah yeah, yeah absolutely so they'll i don't know they'll it, it sucks to like lose the game after you were just named mvp <laughs> and to lose it that hard yeah. yeah it doesn't take anything away from you know i don't think people should be like 
use it as like a pro or a con against him getting that award at all. I think it's kind of exists in another realm. I loved watching them all gathered in that hotel ballroom. Yeah, that was nice. To like watch the watch the announcement and give each other hugs and oh, Embiid kind of choking up. Obviously, he's wanted this for a really long time. I think it's really well-deserved. But then again, I also feel like most MVP discourse is just so overdone <laughs> and just like overturned at this point um, that it like it, it loses all meaning, unfortunately, by this point, not for the people getting the awards. Um, it's still obviously pretty meaningful to them, but just the discussion about it by now, you're just like, it's like when you repeat one word over and over and it doesn't make sense anymore. Right. No, I get that. I, um, I agree. I think, well, when I, well, how I kind of looked at it is I was fine or happy for Joel and B to get it this year, because I think when we look back at this era in basketball, it would make sense for Giannis Jokic and Embiid to have MVPs Mm -hmm. so you know whether it should have been this year or previous year or something like that it's like what matters is that he's been an MVP player for several years and now he finally has the award to reflect that Mm -hmm. I do think however like it really sucks for the Sixers like the timing of this injury and his inability to just be consistently healthy Mm -hmm. uh, is tough for them you know, there's rumors about James Harden leaving Philadelphia uh, in free agency. I don't know. It's just to me, I'm kind of like, if they don't win this series, where do they go from here? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if they don't win, then James Harden probably will leave. If they win the series and don't win the next, I think it would take perhaps them winning the title. Actually, no, because I could see James Harden being like, well, I've won the title. What else could I do here? You know? <laughs> uh, when I go back to Texas where I don't pay taxes or whatever. Yeah, or to like, if that's because he wants his one-year contract loophole before going for like this next max year mm-hmm. contract to kind of ride out what I would imagine would be the end of his NBA career. Um, I could see him kind of swinging either way. If they lose very badly, that's a good reason to go. If they win the title, then that's kind of a stamp for him that he's always got to go James Harden's it's hard to like pin down his loyalties or, you know, what, what he's kind of um, like what his own rooting interests are, I think from season to season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Embiid. I like have softened to Embiid because I think it's really clear that he's committed to the Sixers and he wants to bring a title there and he's worked really hard to do it. It hasn't always been in the best ways. Do I think that, you know, he handled the Ben Simmons stuff there, like the best with the most grace that he could. No, I don't. Um, but I think he uh, has like been such a great mentor to somebody like Tyrese Maxey. And he's let somebody like that kind of rub off on him and in a very cheerful way where he's like not this big grumpy dude, you know, around, around like Tyrese's energy. Um and in terms of like the health thing, I do feel like that's just something the Sixers understand. It's like, you know, the Lakers and AD, you want that, or like the Clippers and Kawhi, you know, like you want and have invested in that person regardless of and understanding full well um, maybe the caveats that come with it in terms of injuries. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I do think he's um, absolutely committed to the 76ers. 
I just feel like, I mean, I don't know who else they would get if James Harden does leave, but I feel like they might have to start looking at teams, Mm -hmm. potentially making trades to upgrade the roster around him if they are going to make like a deeper push. Mm -hmm. No idea who that is. I just feel like there's only so many years you can knock at the door and not get past the second round. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just think it's going to be a very interesting offseason for the 76ers. And um, I guess I'm saying that I think Boston's going to win this series. But I think if if Joel was at 100% health, we're having a very different conversation about mm-hmm. the series, though. Do you, do you, you said you don't believe in the Eastern Conference. So do you trust the Celtics or no? No. <laughs> you just trust them in this series? I trust them in this series. Yeah. Uh, I might trust them in a series, you know, whoever comes out of the Knicks heat. We haven't talked about that. Yeah. But yeah. The, I'm going to cough again. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I like the next hit. It's uh, I hope that like becomes, it, it, I hope Jimmy gets to come back, you know, and that goes a lot more equally. It's funny, like leading up to this, in the back of my head, because the heat, it seems like in the postseason, by the time it rolls around, they're always in such bad, banged up shape mm-hmm. that even this season, I was like, man, if only they could get healthy. And it's like, oh, wait, they are. And then Jimmy rolled his ankle. Yeah. <laughs> I willed, willed that in some. No, no, you didn't. Right? Um, obviously, I like seeing them stick around like that's that. That is such a sloppy series. Like those two teams just love to like slug it out in the muck and I think it's very fun to watch um I don't know that the Knicks it's tough to say if like are the Knicks overachieving or is this just you know quietly what Tibbs has been working them up to uh and the Heat I think always play up like that's certainly yeah. what we've seen in the postseason I would say both of these teams are overachieving right now because I mean I can't get over the fact that the Miami Heat lost that playing game to the Hawks. Mm-hmm. It like it was a brutal loss. I thought this team was legit done. Yeah. I thought they were going to have to like start trading everybody or something. And then <laughs> they dug deep and they found their way. And the fact that they're doing this without Tyler Hero as well. Oh my God. Have you separately, have you seen like some of the, I, I don't know if he's like a bit sad because I know he had surgery on his hand. Just go and look at his IG. His fits have been strange I really like yeah i feel like he's going through it okay you know who i think is going through it who? joe Missoula. <laughs> yes. because he uh, so inside the nba played a bit of his post-game press conference okay and he looked like deranged man like you think he's not sleeping yeah like he looked like like he was just so deadpan and so like I don't know. Like he just looked like he lacked all social skills. Oh gosh. And was just like, we were pissed off. We were very unhappy about the last game. I told the team to shoot more threes. That's what I did. And he was like pissed doing that. And I was like, I've never seen a coach like Mm -hmm. that impersonable. Mm -hmm. Like the body language was just like, bizarre was he stiff while he was saying this very stiff and like angry after like like a dominant win yeah in game two and it was just and yeah it was just weird he gave me a weird vibe yeah 
that's kind of, I mean, the Celtics are a little bit vibeless. Like, I think they're certainly like a juggernaut of a team and they've been playing this way all season, which is why, if anything, I do believe in them because they just got like the reps essentially to ride this out if they need to. Um, yeah. They're not very like, there's not that much personality there, even though they have some great like personality type players, you know, and like mm-hmm. Marcus Smart, Time Lord, like those guys. Yeah. But that's that's weird. I didn't see that post game. That makes me uncomfortable. That's and like I don't, the worst I don't know type if, of like, yeah, that's the worst type of mad when someone is like that. Yeah, I don't know if he's like that all the time mm-hmm. or not. Like, I haven't watched enough of him mm-hmm. to know, but I was just like, there's something off about this guy. He's definitely quiet. Like, I've seen him do his pre and posts in Toronto, you know, in person, but um, never, but he wasn't like angry, never like radiating <laughs> yeah, anger. No. He was just like kind of quiet and on the level yeah very interesting yeah oh now now i'm curious i'm gonna watch more of him and then have an analysis next week okay um okay katie we're gonna have a shorter episode because i don't know if i can actually talk for a whole hour it's okay so we're gonna move on to our raptors homer moment and talk about this coaching search so since my last episode it came out that the raptors requested to interview becky hammond of Mm. the las vegas aces um a lot of talk, a lot of chatter about this. Mainly positive. I think a lot of people think it would be cool for us to hire the first woman female head coach. Although Becky Hannon was interviewed by media about it and said, I'm not taking a second away from these girls to talk about them boys. Um, these women. Or these women. Thank, woo, thank you, Katie. <laughs> um, you know, in during their training camp. Mm-hmm. So... Katie, my question for you is what do you want to see in a Raptors head coach and how do you feel about Becky Hammond being interviewed for the job? First, it was like so hilarious to me to see how many people had such a severe reaction to her saying that and was ba- they were basically just like, you, this is why like a woman can never be a coach because there's no respect. They're men, not boys. It's like, dude, it's a turn of phrase. Like, it's just, it's also just how she talks. If you've ever yeah. like, heard, heard her, I don't know. It's anyway, neither here nor there, but pretty predictable. Um, I obviously look, I'll preface this with like at any point at any one of these points I'm about to make, I would love to be proven wrong, which I've said before, mm. um, but I'm very skeptical uh, I would love for Becky Hammond to be the Toronto next Toronto Raptors head coach. Uh, but I also think a lot of this discussion around it devalues the fact that she already has a job. Like I, I think a lot yeah. of people talk about it as if she's hard up for um, an opportunity or a position, whereas like she has kind of the best job, like the best job, certainly in the WNBA. She also has a job where finally, after so many years under Greg Popovich within that very like, rigid spur system she can make and create and shape her own thing and she has the full support of ownership there you saw what they did with that new aces arena and like the facility not the arena sorry the the training facilities and like super high tech it looks like as good as the raiders you know stadium and everything for people who might not know um the so in the WNBA, the las vegas aces are the reigning champions yes they have a super team um i believe she's the highest paid coach in the league she is she makes a million dollars a year highest yeah. paid coach in the WNBA. one coach of the year 
Aces won the title last season. So, like, she's in a fine position. Like, she is not sad to continue the job that she has. So and I think she, yeah, and she wouldn't be able to finish the season out if she takes the job yeah. because the WNBA season goes into September and then the playoffs and then the finals, which they are very much projected to make, would go into October. Yeah. So she would have to leave basically like just as their season starts, mm-hmm. she'd have to bail on their whole season. Mm-hmm. So the offer would have to be, I think at this point it would have to be not just like come and, ho- and coach our team. It would be like, we're going to give you a real stake in the creation of this team and the new direction of this team. Cause like you're going to have an entirely new coaching staff. So he, she'd have the power to bring in, you know, if it was Becky Hammond, she'd have to bring in all new assistants. Cause yeah. They've started to kind of scatter to the winds as usually happens, right? Like a new head coach will usually clean house, but it's been surprising to me to see how much they're already leaving because I think there was a real rift uh, that wasn't with our coaches, yeah, yeah, with our with our coaching, our front office between the front office and the coaching staff, and then within the coaching staff itself. So I would love it. It really bothered me because I felt like it was another example of Becky Hammond's name just being touted. Uh, by an organization that desperately, one, wants attention and optics, because at that point, the Raptors, at this point, the Raptors still have only interviewed assistant coaches. I'm sure they are great assistant coaches, but they aren't like the kind of big name. So what's a good way to remedy that? You throw Becky Hammond's name into the mix. I don't even know from like a two-day differential from how many places I saw reporting on like the Raptors head coaching search to the next day after they named, you know, oh, we're interviewing Becky Hammond, every single outlet, not just in Toronto, but like, you know, ESPN yeah, and yeah. Like national outlets are like putting out a little blurb on the Toronto Raptors. So how nice is that for them? Um, and yeah, the thing about it that bothers me is like, you've kind of, you're in a bit of a slump now, the Toronto Raptors are, they really underperformed. There's no plan uh, in terms of identity and in like what's going to happen next season, you you need a really strong and good head coach. And I think Becky Hammond could be that, but you're already, you know, and as you said, like this overlaps with the W season, you're not really setting, she's not in the best position to even take this job right now. Um, so, well, I get the, like, I get the fit. Like I've had a lot of conversations with people being like, but it's a really good fit. And it's like what they need. It's like, yeah, it's what they need. But it doesn't like we're none of us are making that call. And a part of me just feels like a lot of this is a bit of stalling because they probably wanted Emma Udoka and he went and took the job with the Rockets. So, yeah. And then it was crazy when he was like, oh, out of all the jobs that were available, this yeah. was the most ideal. It was like it felt very pointed. It did feel pointed, which to me, read between the lines. Right. There's a lot. There is a lot going on. And again, like if Becky Hammond chooses to ever come back to the NBA and if it, that is whatever time that is, there still hasn't been a head woman coach and whoever that first head woman coach is, there's going to be such a, like they're going to be under such a microscope that they can't really make a step. That first person just can't like, they will not be given the grace. It's a lot like when, you know, when we started to now, thankfully, like we have so many head black coaches in the NBA, but like when there weren't, again, it was the same thing. It's like, you're seeing people under a microscope. They, if they make any misstep, the first thing is like, well, they're going to fire the coach instead of like, well, let's give them another season, like with a Nick nurse or like a, a coach, bud, right. Like, yeah, who are given a lot of opportunities. So, I mean, 
I would love it. I just really don't think it's realistic for a variety of reasons <laughs> that I just said. And like, just more. I also, frankly, like, I don't really think the front office is brave enough to do it. I really don't. Yeah, I think, um, well, first of all, I agree with you. And I will add that, in my opinion, following Becky Hammond's career, I feel like she was really dicked around totally. a few years ago, like when she was interviewing with a bunch of teams and they weren't hiring her and they were hiring less qualified people instead of her. And, and when I say less qualified, I mean, I'm talking about seven years as an assistant with Greg Popovich. That is enough for Bootenholzer and all these other people to get jobs. Quinn Snyder, I believe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Wait, now I'm getting confused. Definitely Bootenholzer. There were some other people as well. Oh, I'm forgetting his name. He was like the interim coach of the Hawks. He coached with alongside Becky as an assistant under Bud. Right. Um, so there were a lot of assistants under Greg Popovich that got coaching jobs mm -hmm. that were not former players that were not, you know, one of the 25 greatest WNBA players of all time. Okay. They're not Olympians. They don't have any of those other credentials in addition to being an assistant of Greg Popovich for seven years. And they all got head coaching jobs. And when she was interviewing for them, again, it was just all this performative BS. Mm -hmm. And I think she had had enough and the WNBA, the aces gave her a great offer. And she seems genuinely very happy there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she is not interested in being tokenized. Um, I don't think any, any qualified female coach is. There are other female coaches that I think are worthy of a job in the NBA, particularly Don Staley, mm -hmm. um, whose name does not get mentioned because it isn't, you know, the in vogue performative thing to do at the moment. But her NCAA credentials, if she were a man, would warrant her an NBA job. Coaches have jumped from the NCAA to the NBA. I think the last one was Billy Donovan, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, that's happened, too. And I just think, like, it's not just about hiring women. It's about setting people up for success. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why would you jump into a situation just for the sake of being the first person to do it if you're not actually set up to succeed? Mm -hmm. So I think Becky and a lot of other women, a lot of other assistant coaches in our league see that and are not going to just take the bait to uh, satisfy the PR of a team. Mm -hmm. With all that being said, like, look, if Becky Hammond does accept the job, I'm going to cry tears of joy. I'm going to truly celebrate it and I'm mm -hmm. going to root for her, mm -hmm. you know, but it's just like, we know what they're facing. We, we know what they're up against. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, we don't want to see that happen just to see it crash and burn. Yeah, exactly. Like it's going to be such a monumentous thing whenever it happens. And that if it were to happen now, like my feeling of it now is, the way that the Raptors have kind of behaved and framed things over the past few seasons, they're not looking at it. They're looking at it as a monumental win for them. Right. Not to be the ones to do that and to offer that opportunity, not for like what it is and the the person who would be taking that position if it was someone like Becky Hammond. On the note of experience, I'll quickly add that when 
Becky Hammond has more experience now and did even before like he was hired than Nick Nurse. NBA experience. Yeah. NBA coaching experience that Nick Nurse did when he was hired as head coach. So like throw that out. There's there's so many. There are so many current. Yes. And in Nick Nurse's case, recently fired head coaches (laughs) that had less experience Mm -hmm. than Becky Hammond when they were hired mm-hmm. when she was actually available yeah. for that job. Yeah. I mean, on the note of like the co- the coaching question as a whole, I actually don't mind the idea of hiring an assistant. Like I, I didn't mean, like I'm not trying to knock the other assistants that they're mm-hmm. interviewing. I think I'm always a huge, like, I just think like that coaching pool has to get so much bigger like head coaching jobs in the NBA can start to feel like musical chairs, right? It's just like a reshuffling of white guy to white guy to team, <laughs> to team for the most part, right? So it's like, how do you change that? You've got to broaden the pool and how do you do that? You've got to promote more assistant coaches. You've got to bring in international coaches. The Raptors are doing pretty well with that. It just didn't even in terms of their international assistant uh, coaches, you know, in the last few seasons, this season, no. Um, but definitely like last season and the season before, so, you know, all that to say, like, I do like that move. And I, I'm definitely not against them bringing in somebody who has not been a head coach before. I think you've got to give people opportunities. And especially when you give them those opportunities, it's a lot different than another head coach. Than like, if you, if like they bring in Bud or something, like if Bud, <laughs> you know, gets fired and like they, they bring him in. Uh, he has a lot more, there's just like a lot more security in head coaches who have been head coaches for a long time. And I feel like there's less to lose. You kind of want someone who has a, has not it's a so lot to funny, lose. Bud, but Bud like, hasn't been fired yet. It's, yeah, I know. I was actually just paused. Cause I was like, did That's he get fired? so funny. I need it's to so, make we sure. just assume he's fired. Yeah. I mean, it's I think so he wild. How will much be. we just, yeah. It's just but. so funny how we assume he's been fired. Yeah. Um, but I think you want you want to give it to you want to give a jobs like this first time jobs like this to people who are going to make the most of them and have a, a bit of a chip on their shoulders and do have something to prove. But then within that, have like the full confidence I think of the front office that's brought them on. Um, and I do think like you know all these things that we said to the Raptors that have been negative, they are a front office that has shown that they don't mind being patient. Sometimes it's been to their detriment, absolutely. But I think. You know, especially if you're bringing in someone in a role like that for the first time, you got to be patient. Yeah, I think for this Raptors team and like, honestly, I'm like, I don't even know if this is the team we're going into next season with or not. Right. Like there could be a lot of roster changes as well between now and then. But I do think like when I think about Fred and Pascal, like they haven't really had like that former player voice. Um, And I think that would be really good for them. Actually, Mm -hmm. it might even be good for Scotty as well. Like, I'm not sure who that is. And I'm not saying like they shouldn't have after me going on about coaching experience, (laughs) you know, like look around the league at the former, the former coaches, how they fared this year. Not so good. I mean, the former player coaches. Yeah. Not great, but I do think there's something to be said about a former player voice for them. Yeah. That I think uh, would be really good. And Hey, Becky does fit into that. She does. So does. She, you know. I mean, in that way, yeah, she does tick all the boxes, right? Former player with plenty uh, and ample coaching experience and like relevant coaching experience of yeah. like shaping a, a new, shaping a team and like taking it in a new direction. 
TBD, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Wild stuff. Um, well, we made it to 47, probably 48 minutes. Yeah, we did well. I did. I found my own after a while, I yeah. think, of, of enough talking. I think maybe that's what we just I had to get fired to. up. I think yeah, we had to get fired up about yeah. an issue. Yeah. So my cough could forget about itself. Exactly. Um, Katie, thank you so much for joining me this week. Um, let everybody know what you're up to and where they can find you on the internet. You can uh, read and subscribe to Basketball Feelings. That's my Substack. That's at basketballfeelings.com. Um, I just wrote something today on the existential question that's been looming over the Phoenix Suns for three seasons now uh, and what they're going to do if this all doesn't work out. That's at Gaming Society. Um, God, we didn't even talk about the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, it's okay. They're, the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets, I legitimately keep forgetting about that are they're in this too. And like, there's huge stars in that series. Yeah, but it's just, they're, it's, it's forgettable and... I, I kind of touch on that. There's, I think, reasons why, um, you know, that yeah. they don't seem as exciting or compelling. Uh, or you can follow me uh, on Twitter at whatevs, W-T-E-V-S. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you for everyone who put up with my cough. Uh, really appreciate you. Everyone watching on YouTube who's going to see me m- mute my mic and like cover my... <laughs> My face, thank you so much for tuning in. I pray I will be 100% next week and uh, we'll catch you then. Okay, take care. Bye.